You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everybody, Hokie fans out there, welcome back to Gobbler Country's Talk of Turkey. We've been off for a season and a half due to the absence of our editor, but she's back, and so are we. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Brian Manning. How you doing, Brian? I'm good, John. Glad to be back. How about yourself? Uh, pretty good. And joining us from the West Coast, as he's doing a little home and away, maybe, maybe one day he'll get back to the East Coast to see a game is our editor, Jay Johnson. How you doing, Jay? I'm uh, doing well, John. Thanks for asking. I uh, I don't know if I'm going to be moving back to the East Coast. Once you've been to California and lived in California, it's hard to return. I'll definitely be out there for some football games uh, back in Blacksburg for sure. Yeah, we bought three season tickets and I don't know what our status is going to be. We're hoping we find something out here pretty soon as far as credentials or whatever, see if Brian gets back in the press box or one of us or somebody gets back in the press box, it would be a nice thing. And that's what we're going to be talking about for this particular meeting in this particular section, because this segment is, is literally going to be something that uh, is a little bit of a review. And I guess you could say that in reviewing, everything's changed, hasn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely changed, and hopefully for the better. Yeah, we all do. Jay, sometimes everybody's got a memory hole something somewhere. We all know the, the 1984 Newspeak memory hole, but at some particular point in time, what happened in the past is just going to have to be the past, and we're going to have to live with it and, and move on from what we have. Um, as I've noted, is some of the reviews that we've got and why I started adding the coaching reviews to the player reviews is, except for one or two people, J.C. Price being the main person, there is an entirely new coaching staff going on in Hokie world over over in Merriman right now. They're completely changed everything. I, I like everything they're doing so far. They seem to be making all the right moves, but I guess it doesn't matter until they start turning into wins. So, Yeah, as far as our season preview Jay's already gotten that started. Traditionally, that's Jay's little piece of the world is to go through the season and uh, the ACC season and, and the Hokie season and kind of launch us that way. Jay, there are a lot of people out there that are kind of grumbling a little bit under the, the radar. Is that you're normally very up and very positive reviews or just kind of, eh, you know, it's like West Virginia. Come on, we're going to beat West Virginia at home on the 22nd. I, I don't think we are unfortunately, but, you know, hopefully. But uh, if I was to say right now, I think one of the biggest problems facing Brent Pry and his new staff is, unfortunately, there's there's not a lot of Power 5 talent on some pretty key units, uh, namely the quarterback's unit. Like, we'll see if these young transfers are able to step up and play at a, a higher level than they have in the past. I understand that we do have a South Carolina, and that was Power 5, but Performance-wise, I don't necessarily know if that talent's going to translate directly onto the field. 
I would like to hope that they will, but I think that our Hokies are going to struggle. I think we're going to make a bowl game, but that stretch in the middle of the season, starting with West Virginia and ending with NC State is going to be painful. Well, I can't disagree with you on the fact that that's going to be a painful stretch. You look at that and you're talking about what they call what 50-50 teams, right, Brian? Where you got, you're basically a 50-50 shot as to whether you can win it or you're going to lose it. And we, we've been on the losing side of those 50-50 splits for quite a while. I think we're going to learn a lot about the Hokies in, in week two when they play Boston College because Boston College will be a pretty decent team. They're well coached and they're probably better than where we are right now. So I think it's going to be a good test for us in week two. We're going to learn a lot about Brent Pry. Like when Fuente was in town, I don't mean to bring him up too much, but early in the season, like the September games, his teams were always prepared. After that, not so much. Yeah, I mean, that's trying to avoid that rabbit hole, but it's true that that seemed to have been the big determiner of these 50-50 games where you have the near peer that you might have a, a chance to win or a chance to lose it where the prior administration wasn't making that turn. They'd get off to a great start and then they'd run right into a wall because everybody adjusted to them and they never adjusted back. So we're going to see maybe game three. By that West Virginia game, we're going to see, are they going to adjust? Are they going to change some things up? Quarterback-wise, I mean, I've already done the quarterback review. You saw me, you saw what we we went through with the quarterback review. You know, how are you guys feeling? I stated my case. I think that that it's probably going to be Grant Wells starting behind center for the majority of the time. But if he's learned his lesson and if they put an offense around him that keeps the ball within his vision range and within his skill set and he doesn't he doesn't turn into a pick machine we've got a pretty good opportunity to run a decent intermediate offense the intermediate passing offense that we haven't had in a long time yeah i i like wells and i, I mean you got to take things into context he played at marshall I'm not crushing Marshall here, but we're we like to think of ourselves a, a couple steps ahead of Marshall. Of the quarterbacks that we have, he's definitely the one with the higher upside. Where where I think Jason Brown is more of a, a low lower ceiling guy, but probably probably a higher floor. But I think Grant, Grant Wells is a gunslinger. We saw it in the spring game. He was kind of exciting, and he had wheels on him too. So I'd I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him win the job. I think there's more upside there, but. But I definitely can see him becoming a pick machine because he likes to he likes to turn it loose. Yeah, Jay, how about you? You're thinking something. I can see it in your face. I agree pretty much with what Brian was saying. I think Grant's probably going to end up being our starting quarterback. I have significant concerns about him throwing picks too because it's something that he showed a penchant for while he was at Marshall. So we are going to be in a position where our defense is not going to be able to bail out the offense mistakes as much as we'd like them to. So that could, I think turnovers are going to cost us games, unfortunately, but we'll see. I think our offense is actually, the key is going to be Malachi Thomas and his performance. And like you said, I'm excited to see the intermediate passing game. The fact that our offensive coordinator was a tight ends coach in the NFL, hopefully we are going to see the tight ends appropriately used in the passing game. We still inexplicably were able to recruit talent there and, I think the tight ends are going to figure into the passing game more than the wide receivers are uh, coming up this season. I agree, Jay. I think we're actually, I think we don't, we don't really have a blueprint on what 
Tyler Bowen and them are going to do. But I, from everything that we've seen by looking at their past, his past offense, he was at Fordham at one time and at Penn State, he will throw to the tight end. And, and man, I really like our tight ends. I haven't gotten to the receiver core yet in the reviews. That's coming up. Brian, yours, I don't know which one you want to do first or second, but the offensive line review might be a good one to get started with just because I think that's going to be the critical unit. If they're going to get anything good out of Grant Wells where he's not throwing the ball to the wrong helmet, I think the key to that one is going to be keeping him on his feet and keeping him in the clear so that he can see the field and take good decisions with the ball. That's one thing Marshall did not have last season is they really did not have an outstanding offensive line to to really kind of keep things going. What's my rule on that is is that always been that the offensive line is 65% of 85% of the run and 65% of the pass if your offensive line isn't clicking. So I'm going to let you give us a preview of your article here real quick, and then maybe we'll hop into running backs after the commercial break. As far as the offensive line, I don't think there's a lot of proven commodities, but that but the offensive line coach is going to be the best one we've possibly ever had. Rudolph is – I mean, I don't know how Pry got him away from Wisconsin. Yeah. Maybe yeah, he thought right. it was time for a change, but – if you guys have followed recruiting any, I mean, he's he's connecting with guys that I, I will say Vice could pull some talented offensive linemen. He really couldn't develop him that well. I don't want to crush him too hard because he did he does deserve credit for developing Darisaw, but for the most part, Nestor and Hudson were our big time recruits, and we couldn't even keep him past two years. But I think Rudolph is getting us in the door with a five star prospect in twenty twenty four. He connects, he can recruit, he puts guys in the pros. Those things matter, and it's got me excited about this year's unit. I don't, I don't know what to think yet. I mean, I think there's, I like the Moore brothers, the, the young Moore brothers. I think they're both going to be really good. Silas Jan Danzi's a, is a good player. He's been around a long time. Yeah, and he's been developed into a real leader. Yeah, I, I think there's reason to be excited about him. But I, I do think the the unit will be better than we anticipate. Is it going to be an elite unit or anything? I don't think so, but I think it can be enough to to have a pretty good running game. You know, well, we got a, about a minute left before the commercial break. Jay, what do you got to say about it? I think one of the more interesting things about our offensive line is that three of the projected starters are sophomores. And while there might be some growing pains this year, that offensive line in the next two to three years is going to be pretty fantastic. I think it'll be good enough, particularly with a coach like Rudolph somehow getting poached from Wisconsin, which was probably the biggest hire Brent Pry made. I think we could have an elite unit in the next two to three years, protecting the quarterback and opening holes for those running backs. That's one of those things that, that we're going to have to keep an eye out for. You know, when we come back from the commercial break, we're going to talk about the running backs and some of the wide receivers. So everybody will hang in there and listen to the commercial so that we can pay the bills we'll be back hello everyone welcome back to the podcast before we went to break we we're talking about the Hokies offensive line and now we're going to jump into the running back position the coaches thinned out what was a very deep position in the past couple of years when I say deep I don't necessarily mean deep with guys you really want on your roster not to be rude to anyone but that room needed thinned out there was too many running backs in the room but we kept the good ones, like guys like Malachi Thomas, Kenji Christian, and, and our, our old friend Cole Beck is back with on the roster. So 
John, what do you think of, of the running back position? Well, I still haven't seen Beck come on the roster yet. I mean, that's why I mentioned it in the article that the rumors say that he's supposed to be back, which would be a good thing for no other reason. And I saw the kid play on TV at Blacksburg High School. And first of all, he is fast. I don't mean like football fast. I mean like sprinting track fast at world-class level. And he's big like a football player. So he's got a real potential of being a heck of a really good returner. I remember him against my school, my old school, and uh, he he lit us up pretty good a couple years in a row. (laughs) Yeah, he's got really good hands. He catches the ball, and he can just light the afterburner. So he's going to surprise some people. I'm hoping he gets to play. I really do. He's still on a track scholarship, so you never know what the track coach is going to say. From from everything that that I hear and everything, it sounds to me like he's going to be more of a return guy and more of a slot guy more than he's going to be a traditional running back, which is smart. Yeah, I I wouldn't pin him in the backfield. I really wouldn't. I'd get him out in the open field. He's too much of a threat. Try to get him one on one on the field side, you know, keep him out of the boundary put him on the field side, get him on a one-on-one situation on the field side, let him go deep, let him fly. We have like, we don't have like a per se a bell cow back or a stud number one receiver, but we have very, so many interesting pieces on offense that if you have a creative enough coach, you you got guys like Dwayne Lofton and Connor Bloomrick and, and the tight end group and, and Cole back. And and those guys, there's so many talented guys that let's find a way to max it. Jay, what would you do with Connor Blummer? How how would you handle him? I think some of the stuff you've mentioned before, like the wildcat offense, I think would be great. I think it would be awesome to see Jason Brown and him lined up in the backfield at the same time. I'm hoping that Bowen does packages as well, because I think our offense is going to need to have some packages where it's personnel package based, because yeah. we are going to have to be making up for you know, some of the athleticism that we, we've lost over the years. Um, we do have athletes, but I also think it's going to take creativity. And Blumrick brings that to the table because they can line him up as a running back. They can line him up as a quarterback. They can line him up as a tight end. He's he's a very talented individual. And I hope that they take advantage of that to create confusion in the, uh, even if he doesn't like do some big play, at least it creates confusion on the opposing defenses and it'll open up doors for people like Thomas or Lofton. Yeah, I, I was just remembering Dalton Keene you know, where they kind of converted him into this this kind of roving H-back slash tight end slash running back. You didn't know exactly what he was going to do or how they were going to handle him. It presented a real tough mission for the defense to figure out. I think Blumrick is in that position. And I think Gallo is going to be a more traditional tight end. I think he's got good hands, and I think he runs really good underneath patterns. He just never had the opportunity to be that guy on a dig route, you know, an eight yard dig in or an eight yard dig out. And you just never got those patterns. And we're not even, we haven't even mentioned uh, Chance Black. We talked about Kenji Christian on the beginning of this. He's Christian is a six foot two, 200 pound back. He's got power. Chance Black's a guy who's a fantastic athlete. I think we're going to see him kind of in space. And then you got Keyshawn King. It seems like Keyshawn's been around forever. And and you always see those plays that make you think he could be a really, really good player. And I know his size has always been an issue. Yeah, but he's been good out of the backfield, though. He's got really good hands for catching. If they get him out and get him away from getting hit, he can break some. 
he could actually make one of those flare patterns work. The problem with, with him at times, it was like he would pop off a big run and then he would get another carry uh, two quarters later. It would go for one yard and he would be in the doghouse. It, it really never made any sense. Yeah, he never kept it, kept him at it. I mean, it, face it, the running game and running backs, before we talk about some more of the receiver opportunities, because like we said, the running back roster itself is only six players deep, maybe seven if they had Cole Beck and he sticks at running back. We're talking the two starters are going to be Malachi Thomas and Jalen Holston. Those are the guys that are going to be the go-to backs this year. But you know King is going to be in the passing situation or in the you might see him in the thing where with a, a package like like Jay with, with Connor Blumrick coming in. You have to deal with the insanity of having to cover King out of the backfield and Blumrick out of the backfield or Blumrick in the slot or, you know, so so it's going to be interesting. Wide receivers. Let's knock down the wide receivers here real quick. That list is not real long either. It's not real deep either. I think we might be in a little bit of trouble with our wide receivers. We lost Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson, the two most talented guys on our on our wide receiving core who were able to make things happen, even in an offense that desperately tried to not make things happen. I I would love to see young dudes like Dwayne Lofton step up, but the fact of the matter is, is we don't have a big, tall receiver, and they're quick, but they're not burners. So if we do not figure out a way to get that middle passing game open, we're going to struggle to get yards in the air. So I'm looking a lot towards dudes like Nick Gallo and Blumrick who are tall and can get jump balls and are quick for their size. But I think there's going to be some growing pains with the wide receiving core. Definitely. I think a guy to watch out for is, is Jaden Blue, the, the transfer from Temple. who he, he had a really big year. I think it was two years ago. He, he'll be, he's the de facto number one guy this year, I believe. And in Lofton, we saw what Lofton could do. I can only imagine what he could do with solid quarterback play. And then there's um, Caleb Smith kind of gets overlooked. But if we look at the spring game as any indication of what we can expect, we know Grant Wells likes to throw to Caleb Smith. And the young guys to watch, there's Jalen Jones along with Lofton. It's another guy to watch they really like. He's 6'1". And Tucker Holloway is a freshman out of North Carolina who's, a, who's really fast. He's 6'2". I think he could find some playing time this year. And other than that, I mean, I, I do – I do worry about the depth. Let me mention one player that I'm really excited yeah. about, Xavion Bradshaw. I don't know how I forgot to mention him. He's from nearby Graham High School. He's the son of Ahmad Bradshaw. I was stoked when we landed him in December. He's going to factor in this year as a punt returner at least. I think they're going to try to get him involved some way. I think one of the, the things is that we have this situation where this offensive coaching staff is going to have to be imaginative. They're going to have to do some different stuff. They can't just crank in a Bowling Green read option, quarterback ISO up the middle, try to pick your way through the zone blocking hole, if it even exists. And we all know that it didn't exist last year or the year before or the year before. You know, it, it hadn't existed since 2017. So honest opinion before we jump out for the break and then we're going to talk in general about the offense and defense and what we think is going to have to happen so before we hit the break who thinks this offense is going to rise to the occasion and do something interesting and different well it's kind of a leading question john but uh i think 
they'll have to if they want to get into a bowl game. Any leading questions of the job? Yeah, okay, so you, you think so? Brian, you're pretty much up on that. I know you've been nodding, and you know that we, uh, we, we have a dearth of innovation that we've seen over the last 40 years. <laughs> Probably. Wouldn't it be refreshing to see something cool or different? Yeah, absolutely. I thought that when, when Fuente got there, I thought we were going to see an exciting offense that first year. And then even when we had the explosive offense, it seemed like it was nothing but fade passes to the to uh, Isaiah Ford and Bucky Hodges. So, so all right. Well, we're going to pay the bills again, and we'll be back after these commercial messages. Hey, welcome back from the commercial break. We were talking offense and – what we'd like to see, what we dream to see. Jay and Brian, any kind of wrap-up observations on offense for this particular show? You know, have you guys got anything you'd like to see or specifically? I mean, everybody wants a little innovation, but what would you like to see? I uh, personally would like to see them open their running game back up. I think it's something that's been a big problem for the Virginia Tech offense in general. And I think we have an every down back in Malachi Thomas. I think he's a legitimate talent that could potentially develop into an NFL talent. So I'd like to see the offense build around him because even if Grant Wells or Jason Brown end up being the second coming, they're not going to be here very long. And Malachi is a true sophomore. We've got him for several more years as long as we give him a reason to stay. Yeah, I want to I agree with Jay because with the talent, lack of talent we have at certain positions, we're not going to win unless we can run the ball. We can't rely on passing 40 to 50 times a game. No, we pass 40, 50 times a game. You are exactly right. We will end up with Grant Wells being a pick machine and going back to the Bowling Green read option with Jason Brown, which maybe opened the running game up again, but it's now pounding the snot out of the quarterback again, which, you know, is not exactly something we want to do. So, okay, now we kind of covered the offense, but in the last segment of the show, Let's talk about the thing that, that's going to kind of plague everybody is where, Brian, you're going to be doing a lot of your previews, and that's the defense. There's some really good players out there, but there's not a lot of experience, or there might be some experience, but not a lot of long, long-in-the-tooth experience. And the defense, is uh, that's Pry's specialty. He's, he's coaching it this year. Supposedly, he's going to be calling the defensive plays. So what what do you got? What's your observations? I think the position where we should be solid at is linebacker with Dax and Tisdale and Kashawn Artis are all back. We should be pretty good there. But as far as the defensive line, it's been an issue for years now, and I'm still worried about it. Like, I believe Pollard's going to be good, Narell Pollard. Mario Kendricks, I think, solid. And – at the pass rush, Garbett's back. He's been around for a while. He's a solid player. We don't have that one guy you look at and say he's going to get us 10 sacks. You want to have that guy. I know they're hard to find, but you just hope one of these young guys can develop. Two redshirt freshmen who I'm excited about. Well, I think Cole Nelson's technically not a redshirt freshman, but is Cole Nelson and Matthias Carroll. John and I talked to Matthias there a couple of years ago. When he yeah, real bright, nice, nice, decent, really good, bright yeah. young man. So I'm I'm real I'm excited about Cole Nelson and Carroll at the defensive ends, but I'm still worried about the defensive line. 
it's a hard position to recruit because the big schools get the, the I'm not saying the big schools, the SEC teams get the better defensive linemen that are hard to get in Clemson. But that's my biggest concern on defense. I believe we have enough to win with and at, at linebacker in the secondary. On defense, Jay, I mean, you've talked mostly about offense, but what, what do you, what do you got? I think the biggest problem the defensive line is going to face is that they're undersized. The tallest one is uh, the tallest projected starter, Payne. He's 6'3", but he only weighs 260 pounds for a defensive end. He's our biggest defensive end. Our biggest defensive tackle is 308, but he's only 6'2". Like, we're probably not batting passes down this year. And hopefully they'll have the speed to, like, chase down folks. But I think they're going to have a hard time getting off blocks, breaking through particularly robust offensive lines like Pitt's offensive line, NC State's offensive line. Those young men are monoliths, and our defensive line is going to struggle against those guys because they are not that big. There's Mm -hmm. athleticism there, but pound for pound, it's going to be difficult for them because they're not tall and they're not as big. And we just lost pain for the year. Before you, yeah, oh, did we? I didn't realize yeah, that. Pain, yeah. pain, pain blew that, something in his Achilles. That's fresh news, Jay. It's like just that's yeah, recent. just today. It, it, it was from practice, so yeah, that is it. that is bad news. <laughs> I mean, we brought him in from I forget Nebraska, right? Nebraska, yeah, yeah. yeah we were definitely gonna. We brought him in to be a senior leader on that line. That's a huge hit. I did not realize that. Yeah, he took a hit in practice, Achilles or something like that. That's either most of the season or all of the season. The days of winning the way Bud won with undersized defensive tackles, it's not going to get it done these days. Oddly enough, it never was. Even in the option days, back when we were playing football in the option days, I was before you were, Brian, in the trenches as a kid. And the old option, the, the wishbone and the and the triple option, the, the Houston Veer, you were the biggest guys on the field. You were the heaviest guys on the field. And your job was to get two, three yards of penetration. and okay, the offensive linemen were smaller back then, so the defensive linemen were smaller, but they were still bigger than the offensive linemen, and you still had to get penetration because you had to push that option back into the backfield. Well, that's what we have now is a situation where I think Jay's right. I don't think we've got the size to get that pressure. I think what's going to have to happen is is to stop the run. They're going to have to collapse into the holes at the line of scrimmage, you're going to have to learn how to dominate the line of scrimmage and not necessarily have the ability to get in toward the quarterback. And that's going to be crippling because we really, really need in the modern offense, we've really got to get ourselves a situation that we have control over the depth up the A gap into the quarterback's face. And we don't get that with the size of guys we have, we don't have enough tall and we don't have enough. We don't have enough to really gum up the center two yards into the backfield. What, what that's also going to result in is the linebackers having to cheat up and support the defensive line, which is going to really open up the bad guys passing game. And yeah. I think that's where we're going to get into a lot of trouble. So we're going to need to see dudes like, you know, Chamari Connor, like really step up and lead that secondary. Cause they're, they're going to get put on islands sometimes, particularly with some of these offenses that we're going to be facing. Yeah, the only thing that I can think it saves is going to put constant pressure on the quarterback or going back to like zone blitzes and stuff, and not even zone blitzes. I don't think we're going to have, although some of the outside defensive ends that we are sporting might be light enough and fast, quick enough to cover underneath, we're going to have a hell of a time with three-second offenses. 
We just there we are just going to be running backs in the secondary. We're yeah. gonna have to be prepared for that. They're gonna make it. Yep, they're gonna have three second drops. They're gonna start trying to because we're just not gonna get the size to get the a gap pressure and close down that throwing alley. And that main throwing alley is where the most modern college offenses, most college offenses sit in that zone because most of them are still, almost all of them are still bowling green uh, read option kind of alternative looks, whether it's a pistol formation in the back or, you know, the offset back in the back, it's still a read option. And where is the throwing lane, the main throwing lane or running lane in the read option? And that's the gate. That's the A gap. And if you can't get that pressure and size up the A gap to shut that down, you're going to struggle. It's not a negative thing. It's just we've got a lot of work to do on in the trenches. We have some really good talent in the running back core. We actually have some good talent in the receiver core, but a lot of them are fresh out of high school. And we have a lot of defensive back talent and linebacker talent. But the offensive line is going to be young and inexperienced and haven't worked together that much. We have some good players, but the defensive line, I think, and that's going to be part of the next article and what I'm struggling with, is that defensive line I don't think is going to be as strong as it needs to be. I think that's where we're going to take the hit on defense. Which which has been an issue for a few seasons now. Yeah, it has been since actually the late Beamer era with Bud Foster. And face it, that recruiting tree is a very long stretch recruiting tree, isn't it? I mean, it's... Remember remember when we had Tim Settle and Walker, how good they were together? Yeah. Yeah, and then I don't blame him. I don't blame Settle. Like, everybody's like, man, he's leaving really early. And then in retrospect, it's like, nah, he left at the right time. Yeah. You know, and, and now he's with the Bills. So he spent a lot of time with the with the skins, and now he's over with the Bills. Hey, that kind of wraps up the show for this evening. I'm sure happy to have you guys back on. Jay is going to be co-hosting more often as he gets more time, which is good because it, it's always better to have the three of us together instead of Brian and I beating our gums back and forth. It's nice to have a third opinion, and we really enjoy that. We'll try to get a few guests in every once in a while, see if Brian's got some tabs on the few people, and maybe we can get some guests back in the door. Maybe we can get your brother to step in and say hello, you know, talk about something. You never know. Josh can chime in on what... He always says he doesn't keep up. And then I talk to him on the telephone and it's like, he didn't hear, yeah, dad, you didn't hear this. So we'll see if maybe Josh wants to step on every once in a while and say hello. And we'll keep this moving. So everybody, I'm going to leave you with what we always leave you with. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.